We will see our kids again. They'll come up as we receive the sacrament. So, but for now, we are going to get into God's Word. We are uh, second week into our short sermon series on the sacraments. Last week we talked about the sacraments in general, and this week we're going to start getting into um, some of the more specifics. This week we're going to look at baptism. Next week we're going to look at baptism, and then we'll have two weeks on the Lord's Supper. Um, so that's the, that's the pathway we're, we're taking. Um, and to, to help us out, uh, to keep us aligned and try to keep us focused on the gospel message of Jesus Christ in these, in these things, and these sacraments that we read about, um, we're using words of the Heidelberg Catechism, this uh, 16th century document that the Reformers created to, to teach us, to instruct us in the faith. Um, uh, and it's, you know, in, in level of authority, it falls below Scripture, but it helps us to uh, interpret Scripture. It helps us to see Scripture along these guidelines of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Um, keeps us rooted in His, uh, God's grace to us. Before we, we start with any of that, let me offer a word of prayer for us. Oh God, we thank you that we can come to this time hearing your word. God, we can read it with our eyes, we can hear the word preached with our ears, but Lord, we know that uh, this is nothing without the, the work of your Holy Spirit. So God, we pray for your spirit to be with us, your Holy Spirit to be in us, as I communicate these words and as your people receive them. God, we pray for our hearts to be changed so that we might know how deeply you love us, and so we might know uh, what you are calling us to. Lord, uh, be with us in this time where we get to interact with your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer number 69. I will read the question and we will respond together with the answer. Question and answer 69. How does holy baptism remind and assure you that Christ's one sacrifice on the cross benefits you personally? In this way, Christ instituted this outward washing and with it promised that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly his blood and his spirit wash away my soul's impurity, that is, all my sins. Question and answer 70. What does it mean to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? To be washed with Christ's blood means that God, by grace, has forgiven our sins because of Christ's blood poured out for us in his sacrifice on the cross. To be washed with Christ's spirit means that the Holy Spirit has renewed and sanctified us to be members of Christ so that more and more we become dead to sin and live holy and blameless lives. And now turning to God's word, the book of Colossians chapter 2. In the, uh, the Sunday update, I, I said to, you could look into Genesis chapter 15 and chapter 17. Um, I thought that's where I was going to go. We're going to go there next week, um, but still this language of circumcision um, and what you read in Genesis 15 and 17 will be helpful, uh, helping you to understand. But we're going to look at Colossians 2, 6 through 15 this week. 
Apostle Paul says to the church in Colossae, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised, with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Question for you. Question for you to ponder. What would life be like without a physical physical affection? What would life be like without uh, these physical expressions of love? Think about it. What would that life be like? What would it be like if when you woke up in the morning and you were ready to leave the house if you didn't get a hug or a kiss from your spouse or your children? I think about... Um, just this morning, really every morning what happens for me is I, um, I'm getting ready to leave for work and our big girls, our four-year-olds are up and they're uh, typically in the living room and I'll go and I'll give them a hug and I'll give them a kiss. I'll tell them, I love you, have a good day. And then um, just as I'm getting ready to close the door, ready to leave, I'll hear the, you know, the pitter-patter of feet and they'll come back, they'll run uh, through the kitchen and come and give me another hug, um, give you another kiss and I'll say, I love you, have a good day, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> What would life be like without these physical expressions uh, of love and affection? What if uh, you're, you're single and you were going to meet uh, a friend? You're going to have lunch or uh, hang out with a friend and there was, there, was no, uh, there was no embrace. There was no hug when you first saw them. There was no handshake. There was nothing when you left. It was just, uh, just these verbal interactions. In our, um, in our relationships, um, physical affection is important. Um, if you've ever been in a relationship, there have probably been times when um, a physical affection has been limited or, or neglected. Um, there's uh, no hugs and no kisses. There's no uh, quick pecks. There's no playful touches. There's no uh, long embraces. There's no sitting on the couch and snuggling. Um, usually this is a sign. doesn't always have to be a sign, but there's a sign that something is wrong in the relationship because these signs of physical affection are so, so commonplace. They communicate something that words cannot. I think about uh, my marriage and my relationship with Christy and the times that we fight. Uh, the first thing that, that goes out the window is this physical touch. 
and I will take complete ownership for this. Because, well, I'll take ownership for this because, <laughs> because my, I, there's two sides. You know, there's two sides to every fight. Anyways, my, uh, my tendency is to withdraw. Whenever we get into a fight, my tendency is to pull away and not offer um, the, these physical signs of affection. We can, we can talk and we can argue until I'm, I'm red or blue in the face, but I know almost 100% of the time what is needed is just a big embrace for me just to grab her and to hug her. And it's just this, something that communicates to her with, uh, with, with uh, an expression that, that words can't get to. It's the same message that I'm communicating as I'm communicating in a different way. Well, it's the same thing with our girls. When they, they do something or say something wrong, and we have to discipline them, and they feel guilty, and they, they feel ashamed for what they've done or what they've said. What really draws them back into the community of our family, we can, we can tell them we love them, we can tell them that it's okay, what really draws them back in is when we just, we grab them. We grab them, and we embrace them, and we can hug them, and we can kiss them, and they know they know that they have our love still. Uh, physical affection, it's also something physiologically that's beneficial for us. Now you'll remember experiments that were held um, decades and decades ago uh, that where babies were, were um, the, the, the physical affection was removed from their environment, physical touch, and they did not develop properly. Well, on the other hand, they, there's science, there's research that shows that, that hugs, hugs are good for us. That uh, when we give hugs, when we receive hugs, there's a, a feel-good chemical that's released into our system. Uh, this chemical can help uh, fight these feelings of depression. It can help, uh, help us to a healthier heart. Physical affection is important. We are creatures uh, that need touch and need to be reassured uh, that we are loved and that we are cared for. So why would it surprise us then that our God, that the, the, one, who communica- the one who created us communicates to us on this same level? Why is it a surprise to us that our God, in all of his wisdom, has given us tangible, visible signs and seals of his love? Ways that he communicates with us that we, can, that we can see, that we can taste, that we can touch, that we can smell. God gives us the preached word, but he gives us these sacraments, the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper to communicate to us his love in ways that goes beyond words, ways that, that touch us deeply. Think about um, when you're maybe at the, the, the end of life uh, so for somebody that you love. What are you doing? You're, you're holding their hand. You're holding your hand, and in this holding of hand, you're not saying anything. It communicates more than what a thousand words can communicate as they walk through this hardship. Well, God communicates uh, his love to us in the sacraments. And this morning, we are looking at the sacrament of baptism, where we take this water and we apply it uh, to one of God's people. What are we doing? What is, what is being communicated to us? Well, God, we have uh, something called the means of grace. Preaching is a means of grace, but to these, God has added the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. So what is being communicated to us in this means of grace, this uh, something very um, elemental, it's just, a, just water, something that we use every day, something um, that, uh, that we interact with on a on a, a common basis, what is being communicated to us in the sacrament of baptism? 
But what does water do? Water cleanses. We use water to clean. Now, if I went home right now, and if I went upstairs to our bathroom where we bathe our girls, there would be noticeable evidence that they have been there. You might find uh, dirty handprints on the tub surround. You might find a, a ring, a ring of uh, maybe uh, discoloration from where the water level was, but then it got emptied and, and what was left is, is kind of this, this dirt or this film. You might see evidence from a previous night's dinner. You might see uh, pieces of avocado or cheese or black beans or pieces of pork. Can you guess what we had for dinner? Oh, yeah, it could be Chipotle. Tacos. We had tacos for dinner. We put our girls in the bathtub nearly every night because they're dirty. And what we want to do is we want to clean them. We want to send them to bed clean. This is the same thing that I do every night. I take a shower so I can wash away the oil of the day, the the sweat of the day, the grime of the day. I want to go to bed clean. In the sacrament of baptism, this is what is being communicated to us. This is what it says in question and answer 69, that as surely as water washes away dirt from the body, so certainly has the blood of Christ washed away all of our impurities, has washed away all of our sin. Now when we talk about sin, We have our our passive sin and our active sin. Our passive sin is that sin that we have received from our first parents, from our representative heads. When they turned against God, we all turned against God because they were our representative heads. We were in them. And so in them we have this passive sin. But we also have this active sin. We're in our past and in our day today and in our future. We will turn against God. We'll turn against God's will and God's uh, way that he wants us to walk. This is our passive sin and our active sin. And what sin does is it dirties us from head to toe. We are, we are dirtied with the stain of this sin. We have all rolled around in the mud of sin's pleasantries. And what this sin does is it separates. This sin separates us from God. We cannot come before our most holy God stained with this sin. And so it's pointed to, not just in the Heidelberg Catechism, but in our passage this morning. In our passage this morning where it says that he has forgiven us all of our sins. In the book of Hebrews, it says, uh, Hebrews 10.22, Let us approach God, having been sprinkled clean, having been washed pure with water. When we come to God uh, dirty and defiled, what Jesus Christ does for us is he cleanses us. Jesus Christ takes this sin that we are immersed in, the sin that is, has soaked into our skin, the this, this sin that is soaked not in just to our skin, but into our hearts, that no matter how hard we scrub, no matter how hard we bathe, we cannot get rid of it. It is still there. What Jesus Christ does is he goes to the cross, and on the cross he takes our sin, and our sin is nailed to the cross, and Jesus Christ eliminates this sin from us. Jesus Christ cleanses us with his poured out blood, 
we are washed clean of this sin. The sin is no longer, it's not, uh, it's not on the bathtub ring anymore. No, it is nailed to the cross and has been taken away. I think of that hymn, that my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and is counted no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. You guys know that song? This is what we're pointed to in the waters of baptism. So surely as water washes dirt away from the body, certainly Jesus' blood washes away the impurity from my soul, washes away all of my sin. And this is what we see in this sacrament of baptism. When we are there to witness one of God's people joining God's family, what we are seeing is that what God will do by the power of the Spirit in cleansing. And God, in the sacrament, as we witness it, God takes his big arms and he wraps around us with this big embrace and he says, this was done for you too. I gave my life in my son for you so that all of your sins might be washed away. So that you and I could be joined together. So that there would be no sin that separates us now. I have done this for you. You are baptized. You have been made clean by the blood of Christ and the washing of the Holy Spirit. Water cleanses, but Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit removes our sins. Okay, so that's water. That's the first part about water that cleanses. The second part about water, maybe that uh, part that we don't often think about, is that water kills. Water is dangerous. But think about the flood. Back in Noah's day, God saved this family. And he saved uh, some animals. But other than that, everything else was wiped out by water. You think about Jonah. He is thrown overboard and he is, he is descending to his watery grave before he's rescued. I think about all the psalms that talk about psalmists drowning in the water. Think about Jesus' disciples out on the boat and the stormy sea of Galilee. They're freaking out. They're fearing for their life because of this water. Water is not safe always. In fact, in the Bible, it's often a sign of judgment. It's often a sign of death. Well, this is what we're, this is what we're getting at um, in the words of our scripture this morning, where it says that we have been circumcised. We have been circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism. Having been buried with him in baptism. The same thing is said by Paul in the book of Romans, where it says, don't you know? Or don't you realize that uh, as you enter uh, into, the bap- into baptism with Christ, that you're baptized into his death? That you experience uh, the death of Christ so that you might be raised to new life? In a mysterious way, what we're being pointed to in baptism is this joining. We are joined to Christ in his death, and we are joined to Christ in his resurrection. What are we dying to, though? What, what is it that is being killed? When we talk about uh, baptism and its relationship uh, to us and to Christ, what's being killed is our old self. What's being killed is this old nature. What's being killed is the the power that sin has over us. Think about the the Exodus story. Go back back in your brains. Remember to Exodus 14? 
where the, the people of Israel, we'll call them the, the Hebrew people at this point, they were uh, slaves. Where, where were they slaves at? Egypt, okay. Yeah, they were slaves in Egypt. And uh, God freed them from these, these ruthless slave drivers, the Egyptians, and God sends them on their way, fleeing out of Egypt, and they come to this point where they can't go any further because they've hit uh, the Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds. And then they hear some thunder in the distance. This thunder is, is the, the sound of horses' hooves. This, this thunder is the sound of, of marching feet. This thunder is the sound of chariot wheels as the Egyptians are coming back uh, now to get these people either to kill them or to bring them back into slavery. And the people are crying out to Moses and they're crying out to God. And they say, why? God, why have you brought us out of Egypt just to bring us to this place of death now? Couldn't we have just died in Egypt? And then God does something that is just absolutely astounding, something that is unheard of. Well, God stops up the water. He sends, he sends a wind all night long that stops up the water and it clears a path for the Egyptians or for the, uh, for the Israelites to walk through, for God's people to walk through. So young and old, all night long, they walk. They walk, from, they walk from this place that was their old identity and they walk across or through the sea into this new place, into God's new life, into the victory that God has given them. And as they look back, they see their old life, they see the chariots, they see the soldiers they see that being swallowed up by this water that God has now released. They pass through uh, these waters of baptism where their old life is destroyed and they're passing through into this new life. And it's in these waters of baptism where God communicates this for us. That in a mysterious way we are joined to the death of Christ we are joined in the death of Christ to our sin. Death of Christ to the power of sin over us. And we are opened up to this new life that we have only in him. So again, this is God's warm embrace. This is God's warm hug uh, when we, we come and we see the sacrament administered. What we are doing is realistically we are, we are witnessing a death. We are witnessing a death of a spiritual life, and we are witnessing uh, the opening up of a new life in Christ. And as we witness this, God is embracing us, and he's saying, yes, you too. This has been done for you. I have set you free from the power of sin. You are no longer held captive to that sin. You are no longer in that old life. No, I have brought you through to the waters of baptism into new life with Christ. You are baptized. God gives us uh, these, these physical, these tangible, these things that we can smell and touch and taste, hear. He gives us these, these means of grace that we can interact with. God knows that we need affection because we are human creatures. We need this physical affection, and so God gives us these sacraments. Now, to be sure, though, to be certain, this, this is, this is water. There's nothing magical about this water. It came out of the tap earlier this morning from the, the excellent city of Midland water supply and in all of its deliciousness, but there is nothing special about this water. What happens in baptism? 
What is pointed to in baptism is the working of the Holy Spirit. The working of the Holy Spirit, what we are doing is we are trusting in Christ's promises to us. Where this gospel message is made visible for us. Whether you're being baptized after your profession of faith in Christ. Or whether you're being baptized based on the promise. It is not dependent on us. It is dependent on the working of the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit works in your heart, stirs your heart to belief in Christ, and then you profess that faith and are baptized, or whether we uh, are hanging on to that promise, where we are baptizing an infant or a young child based on the promise, based on the command, trusting that the Spirit will stir that child's heart to faith whenever the Spirit chooses to. Our trust is not in ourselves. Our trust is in what, what Christ has done and how the Holy Spirit makes that effective whenever the Spirit chooses to do so. There is nothing magical in this water, but the reality is no less. That God is communicating himself to us through these means. So every time, every time we come to this place of struggle in our life, every time we are doubting God's love for us, every time we are doubting God's promises to us, every time we struggle and we wrestle with temptation, every time we fall into sin, Remember, you are baptized. Remember what God has promised to you. Remember what God has sealed to you in his Son and made effective by the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember that Jesus Christ has cleansed you. Remember that Jesus Christ has killed that sin, has cut you off from that power of sin and evil. Remember that you are God's own child because of what Jesus Christ has done. All of God's people say, amen. If you want to bring the, uh, the children back up. <clears throat> Let me offer us a word of prayer. God, we are thankful we are thankful that you know us so well, Lord. You know that what is communicated to us in the preached word needs to be reinforced. We need to be assured of it through other means. Lord, we need these physical means of grace that communicate to us the same thing that your preached word does, your love for us, what you do for us in Christ, what you do for us in the power of the Holy Spirit. God, there is a certain mystery in this sacrament and in the other sacraments, Lord, but what we do is we trust. We trust in your promise that you have instituted these, these sacraments as visible signs and seals that assure us of your love in ways that we can touch, ways that we can taste and smell. So Lord, assure us by your grace now as we participate in the waters of baptism, as we participate in the Lord's Supper, remind us, Lord God, who we are in you. And we pray it in your name, O Lord. Amen.